We believe and have always believed in this country that man was created in the image of God, that he was given talents and responsibilities and was instructed to use them to make this world a better place in which to live. And you see, this is the really great thing of America. It's time to discover what binds us together, and finding it has the power to transform our world. That's what I believe. How about you? Hi, everyone. I'm Doug DeVos, and uh, welcome to Believe. Uh, glad to have you with us again. And today we have a, a wonderful opportunity to talk to Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. And uh, for those of you who are familiar with Hillsdale, you know the strength of the school uh, and the reputation that it's built. Uh, and the topic today that we want to talk about is in higher education or in education in general today, what should kids be learning about America? What should we love about America or, or learn about America. Uh, and, and, you know, Hillsdale College and, and Dr. Larry Arn have uh, been incredible advocates of understanding our history uh, in a way that I think, is, uh, I think is helpful and that helps us grasp what we should believe or what we should consider believing ourselves as we go forward. You know, because uh, you know, you, your family, you may have different beliefs one way or the other. A lot of kids love America and a lot of kids maybe don't right now. So uh, so this is a great opportunity uh, to, to get together with, a, with an expert, uh, with a great friend like uh, Dr. Larry Arn. So Larry, welcome and thank you for joining us. Uh, and, and we'll just dive right in. Help us understand a little bit about how we talk about America in, a, in an educational environment. Well, how should we? How do should we be teaching kids to love America? Uh, well, uh, the first thing is to teach them to understand it, uh, know it. Right? Uh, we've uh, extensively lost the love of America, and so now we have to have a discussion about whether it's worthy of love. And before you even get to that, you have to start with the fact that. Uh, it's a, it's a doctrine of the classics. It's an obvious thing. People were made to get live together in political communities. Uh, the, uh, Aristotle traces that to our ability to talk, which is unique to us. Uh, and so either you're going to live under laws or you're going to be miserable. And there's almost no history of nations, uh, of groups of people surviving long without law. So... Studying law, the phenomenon of law, the phenomenon of politics is necessary, and you should start with your own because your own is very consequential in your life. Uh, we would uh, probably value America better if we lived in Russia today, uh, right. and much much better if we lived in the, uh, in China today. So you need to know it to call yourself an educated person. Uh, and then what should you know about America? Uh, first of all, American history is amazingly coherent. Uh, it uh, starts, you know, the country was born on a day. It has a birthday. You can ask yourself, uh, when did England start? When did China start? And the answer is a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> and exactly what date is controversial. Uh, we have the Declaration of Independence. We can read it and see what it says. Uh, also, the, the founding that produced the Declaration of Independence and its partner, the Constitution, that too is not so long ago, and it's very much in the time of recorded history. So you can not only read those documents, you could read why they were written and who wrote them and what they thought about them. So you can know, and it's a great thing to know. So you should start with that. You should figure out what it is. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Declaration of Independence is a beautiful document and an inspiring document and also a challenging document. Uh, because the first thing that you have to try to do is understand it. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the first paragraph of the Declaration of Independence mentions the laws of nature and of nature's God. Right. It'd be a good idea to find out what those are. What do they mean by that? Because it's a very interesting situation. Uh, the Declaration of Independence begins universally. Uh, it begins when in the course of human events, that means any old time, it becomes necessary for one people, and that means any people, 
to assume the powers of the earth uh, to which they are entitled under the laws of nature and nature's God. Well, that expression in that way of beginning is the solution to a problem they have. They're about to throw off a system of law, the British monarchy and constitution, which is, by the way, a long way from the worst system of law. Right. But not, right. not, not, not good in some important ways. And they need some authority for doing that. And they don't say, just because we want to, they say there's st some standard above even us that makes this right. Mm. And, and indeed, anything, any time that violates that standard is not in the right. I mean, right. you know, in China right now, they control people's speech and livelihood not under the rule of law, but according to the will of certain powerful people. Is that right? Is that right for China? It might be the best they can do, but if you lived under it, you wouldn't like it because it's right. not the right way to treat a human being. So first of all, already you see, there's a remarkable series of things to know about the country. And, and, uh, and so one should, you know, students, they should dwell on those. They right. should think what those mean, right? Uh, the work of a student is not to just believe what they're told. They're to think and figure out what's true. And the, the American founding, unusually to a, a unique extent, I believe, invites one to do that. Right. So you should go into that effort. And uh, then, then you know, it's uh, there's a lot of things you need to know to understand pol politics, you know, and I, and I don't mean just American politics, politics, a human phenomenon. Let, let, let me let me interrupt right there and just you, you've given us so much to start thinking about. And, and the first the first thing is that, I, that I'm going to read back is one of the last things you said. We're not just telling students something to believe. We're trying to get them to think so that they get to their own belief system. Uh, and and I th it feels sometimes that that, that isn't happening in, in, in many education situations where many times, you know, students, you know, are, are to a certain extent trained. I got to, I got to get, you know, a good grade on this test. I, I got to, you know, uh, you know, become friends with this professor, or have a relationship, uh, and so I'd better give them what they want. Mm -hmm. And and you know, there's there's enough speculation, there's enough stories out there where somebody may have given a good paper, but it wasn't what the professor wanted, uh, and, and therefore they weren't necessarily taught to think; they were taught to follow in the footsteps, if you will, uh, of someone of someone who was in power, which kind of gets to the other things you were saying about people imposing power uh, on the other. But let's leave those thoughts for just a second. Tell us a little more about you and how you came, your upbringing, what you were thinking, how you got to a point of believing the things you believe today. So tell us a little bit more about, uh, about you. Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, my story is not terribly remarkable. I grew up in a very privileged circumstance. I, I had okay. a poor father and mother who worked very hard, so I got to see that. And they liked to read books and put those two, two things together. You're on your way. And, uh, <laughs> and so I was curious, and, you know, everybody is naturally curious. <laughs> and I was good at yeah. school. And uh, it emerged over time that I saw that there were contradictions everywhere you look and contradictions invite you to try to figure them out. And so I embarked on that, a big turning point in my life. The reason I'm not a lawyer, I like to say, I'm not a lawyer. I'm an educated man. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure our lawyers are going to love that. Excuse me, lawyers. Uh, it's uh, it. it you know, uh, I read, uh, I was made to do it in undergraduate school. I was made to read Plato's Republic. I tried to resist mm -hmm. it. And the, the, the first, the theme of Plato's Republic is what is justice? What is the right treatment of other people? 
And early on, there's a, there's a fight between Socrates and some and a, a sophist. That's somebody who many of the Socratic dialogues involve sophists. And that's somebody who teaches young people, ambitious young people, how to argue in order to win and get power, which is something different than the truth. And Socrates destroys that man. Uh, and then he, then those two young men become his students. Their names are Glaucon and Adiamanus, and they happen to be Plato's brother, brothers. And so Plato's brothers are in a, in a contest for, the, for their souls, and Plato's teacher is leading them as he led Plato. And so that's a great drama. And I began to understand the significance of that. And I learned from that to ask uh, not just what my opinion is and not just what anybody's opinion is and not just what the powerful opinion is. What is the truth of the matter? Because that's what we really want to know. We want to know what's right. We all want to know that. And so that's, you know, I became a student in a more serious. I'd always been, I, I used to be really good at making A's. Uh, then I became a student. I wanted to find out. I went to graduate school. I studied the classics and the American Revolution and Abe Lincoln and Winston Churchill. Those are my main fields. And uh, I studied them because they taught those things there, but also the particular mix of them with me was driven by what I loved, by what sung to me. Uh, your colleague, Stephen Ford, for example. I know, I know his loves because I watched him grow up. And he's better at the things that he loves in particular than he is at everything. So I, I followed that track, and, and uh, I did come very much to love the story and meaning of America. I think it's one of the greatest things that ever happened. But that's a conclusion that you breach. You know, you don't start by saying, uh, we, at Hillsdale College, for example, uh, we don't start our classes by saying, uh, you're going to find out the truth and here's what it is. We start rather in another way. This is a beautiful thing to understand. Let's see if we can understand it. And that's how you read Shakespeare, and that's how you read Plato, and that's how you read the American Revolution, and that's how you study physics or chemistry or biology. You give yourself to it. So I learned to do that. And uh, then I discovered, you know, the, a huge change in my life when it came when I moved to Michigan. And I moved to Michigan because I discovered, I didn't know it, not many people knew it back then, Hillsdale College was actually founded by people who became friends of Abraham Lincoln. Wow. And, wow. Uh, you know, that's... What, a, what an incredible history. What an incredible legacy. Awesome to me, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, the platform that Lincoln was elected president in 1860... The first version of it was written in a building that stands on this campus today. Oh, my goodness. Lincoln's friend, Frederick Douglass, spoke on this campus twice. Wow. And the college wasn't making a lot of, the, a lot of those things. But I discovered them, not because they told me. And I, I went, wow, that's a beautiful thing. That and, is a wow. You know, I just, you know, and I just thought, Maybe it would be possible to what had always seemed to me impossible, which was to turn a college into a community. And so I think we've done that. And that's why it's not because of me. It's because those things are beautiful and we study those things. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. That, uh, th thank you for that uh, history. That it always helps so much to put, you know, put your perspective, your beliefs, your leadership uh, you know, you know, in perspective by the experiences that you've had and the curiosity that you express by gaining a level of understanding, uh, of understanding, of, of seeking out, you know, uh, being curious about, you know, justice or truth. Uh, let me let me uh, ask a little bit, uh, and I, and I have to get. Uh, to Frederick Douglass being on campus, I, I, I just uh, again a huge fan. The Constitution, the Declaration, I, I, I'm involved with the National Constitution Center in Philadelphia, and so I, I've tried to learn so much. I've just really enjoyed it. But our nation 
while it has a, a, a wonderful, rich history, it does not have a perfect history. And, and Frederick Douglass recognized that, but, but he also talked about his appreciation and that our best path forward was to build on the founding principles in the Declaration. Can you help us understand that a little bit more in, in, in that relationship and how, uh, how our nation can learn from things, how it can redirect, how it can improve itself uh, in, in the structure that we have, how we can find things we believe and then, and then seek as a nation to pursue those things? Well, the, um, yeah, so good question. Um, uh, America is very different than most countries because it begins with an explanation and you're invited to believe it, which means you're also invited to disagree with it. And many people did. There was a war fought over it. And one can read them. You know, uh, the Constitution, I regard as a great document. The people who opposed it didn't. And to understand the people who supported it, you have to also read the people who opposed it. And it has to make a case for itself. And so what's unusual about our country is not that it's imperfect. They all are. It's that it holds up a standard of perfection and invites one to compare. And no serious American has ever made the argument that this is a perfect country. Uh, uh, the most serious uh, Americans, to my mind, Frederick Douglass is one of them, Abraham Lincoln is one of them, George Washington is one of them, they called upon the nation to attempt to live up to its, its principles. Uh, uh, Lincoln said this thing that just contains a world of meaning in a short uh, statement. He says, uh, the electric cord that binds American is the statement of equality in the Declaration of Independence. And then he says, uh, always to be striven for, always to be sought after, never to be wholly attained. You see, in other words, there's no surprise in the fact that the country is not print perfect. It's a country. Uh, the remarkable right. thing about right. it is the perfection for which it aims. Right. What a, what a great way to, uh, to to think about that. And so, how do we how do we as a nation in the division that we have and the struggles that we have? How do we find our way forward? Because as you say, there's there's people on uh, on both sides. There are people that were you know liked the Declaration, who those who didn't like it. Those are people who liked the Constitution. Those who didn't like it. There's people who like America and those who don't like America. What 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 are the what's the right way, or or what's uh, maybe not a right or wrong. Let me not say it that way. What's a productive way to not like America? It, because I, I tend to observe a lot of people who, who who say they don't like America, and I and but I don't I don't see them being productive to to um, move it forward or or to offer recommendations or suggestions or to go shoulder to shoulder to work together with people who like it to make it better. Help, help us understand the consequences of of, of not liking America, but uh, you know, and, and then taking that too far. Well, you know, I, that's very good. Uh, I said before, it, you know, it's too late to simply, as, as things are today, to simply say, you ought to like America. Uh, it, 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 the, the, the question is, what is it? Let's find out about it, right? Because it's not what uh, its uh, silliest partisans or silliest enemies say. It's a set of claims, and they can be evaluated. And that's, that's what students do, right? You don't, uh, you don't uh, educate, first of all, you don't educate a child by doing anything to them. It's not like manufacturing. It's like helping something to grow. And so the question is always, let's find out about this. And let's find about, out about this in comparison to other things, both what, what does it claim it is and what is in fact it is? And also, what do other things claim and what are they in fact? And, and uh, you know, then you're, that's why, you know, uh, the first line in Aristotle's Metaphysics, a very great book is, 
the human being stretches himself out to know, not wants to know, stretches himself out to know. We love to know. If you walk in a classroom full of 20 little kids or big kids, it doesn't matter where they are and doesn't matter who they are, you can take it for granted. They want to know. And the first thing is just to find out. And the subject is not, what do I think about this? You can't answer that until you know what it is. And, you know, I argue and, and believe that America is the most beautiful of the modern countries. Uh, imperfect though it is, of course, it is a human thing, right? They're all imperfect. But to make that argument, first you have to become acquainted with what it is. And so you start now at the at the high school, at the, at the K through 12, there's two different kinds of things we do here. Uh, in the college level, the way you find out what a thing is, is look at it directly. Read the documents. Read whatever record there, there is. Read whatever science there is about whatever subject you're studying and figure it out. Earlier, you know, uh, kids start stud studying some civics in the fourth grade by long practice and tradition. And we think that's right. But, and they should get acquainted with the words of the basic documents of America. But they can't quite read them and understand them yet. And so they need a fair textbook uh, and a fair teacher. And, and you don't have to worry too much about prejudicing them because they're going to figure it out for themselves anyway especially if the education goes on and by the time they get to 11th grade and then by the time they get to college, they're actually reading all the stuff for themselves. And so, you know, I, I, I believe that the founders of Hillsdale College were right, that slavery was an evil. But that wasn't a unanimous opinion. Uh, John Calhoun, uh, Fred, uh, Stephen Douglas, uh, Jefferson Davis, they argued that it was a good thing. And people took to killing each other over that. And so what you do is read those arguments, right? What seems true? And, and, uh, and that, you know, it's only when you've done that that you can intelligently think about what you think. And, and here's a, a rule. It's, a, it's an overriding rule. Education is not about you. It's about the thing you're studying. And if you study it truly, that will have an effect on you. So one of the first jobs you've got to do with kids is still get them to still themselves and open themselves to see this thing, right? We, we have a constitution reader here that we think is the best microcosm of the story of America. And it's all in original source documents. Well, on one page, you can read John C. Calhoun reading, right, arguing that slavery is good for the slaves. And on the next page, you can read the Alabama Slave Code. And, you know, that's the rules that govern slaves and slave owners and free people, too, in Alabama. Uh, every uh, free white male in Alabama had to ride posses, posse one night a month as a volunteer, whether they were slave owners or not, looking for runaways. And the intelligence student will say, wow, I wonder why they were trying to get away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, so, you know, in other words, you have to suspend what you think and open yourself. And that's what, you know, the possession of the moral and intellectual virtues are very closely related. And one thing the moral virtues teach you to do is to look at other things and see them as they actually are. Not tempered, not altered by your wants or your fears. You know, you have to learn to sit down and look at it and possess your soul when you do it. And we don't do that in school so much anymore because we're actually presenting them an arbitrary world. Uh, you know, the New York Times has done that frightful 1619 project. And, and they claim that the movement 
of the founding of America from the colonies forward was in the direction of perpetuating slavery. Now, the leading American historian today is a man named Gordon Wood, son, a, a student of the former leading historian, a guy named Bernard Balin. And Gordon Wood has written in response to that, no colonist wrote such a thing ever. In other words, there's not a shred of evidence for it. And they, they didn't retract the New York Times. They just altered their explanation on the website without calling any attention to it. What they had said was, this is the true story. Now they say, this is the new narrative. But see, the narrative is something different than the story. And that means that's something they're proposing to the students. And it should be identified like that to them. And honest people would invite the students to compare what they say to what was said at the time. And, you know, we, 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 we have hindsight. That's one of the things you have to take out of it because you don't get to use it, you know, in making your own choices. But we should certainly look at what people say today, but we should compare it to the record that exists, which is, in, in this case, is very rich. Uh, so, you know. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll, again, Larry, when you talk about education, students, teaching, learning, you have a reverence about you hmm? that, that, that this is a, you know, not only for you, but for the student and for the teacher, that this is a, this is a calling. And for those of us listening to you, you know, I'm hearing your encouragement say, you're not going to tell us what to believe. You can tell us what you believe, but you're going to encourage us to be curious enough and work enough to go to the documents to sign up for a class or, or, or do something so that we can form our own beliefs. And, and you seem... So, so powerfully uh, uh, committed to that idea. Am I, am I seeing that right? Yeah, well. Hearing that right? I, you know, we all make choices in our lives. And uh, uh, Hillstock College has been successful since I've been here. And that means I could go and do a lot of other things. I don't want right. to. You know, right. it's just the, the sublimest human activity outside church is contemplating the best things with friends. And that's what college is supposed to be. Wow. Wow. And, and uh, you know, I mean, colleges are scenes of strife and hostility today. Ours is not. And the reason is, by the way, everyone here, every transaction at Hillsdale College is done by people who want to do it. You know, they're volunteers. And so, you know, I just had a bunch of kids in here for lunch. And we just, we just sat and talked about nothing in particular supposed to be 50 minutes and it lasted until this conversation started almost two right. hours because they want to figure out the world. Right. And, and so I know about the world quite a lot. I'm older than they are and they know a lot about it. And so we just talked about that and it was sublime. It was awesome. And if we, the, 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 I actually believe the key to recovering America which I think is being lost, maybe fatally, is to learn about it. Because it's a great thing to know. And, and uh, you know, I mean, you know, we got all these charter schools, right? And they're just, they're, they're just uh, besieging us. There's so many right. people who want to start them. Right, and, right. And why? Kids, parents want their kids to know. You know, uh, no parent gets up in the morning and says, as a final end, I want my kids to love America. Right. What they all want is they want our, their kids to be happy, which requires them to be good. And that means they're going to have to know a lot of things and all of the fundamental things, right? So, you know, in school, schools fight with the parents all the time. We don't. Mm. 
right? Right. Because, <laughs> you know, first of all, you don't have to be there. It's a choice. But second, uh, let's say my daughter founded a school. It's a very great school. I'm partial, of course, to her. But uh, right, right. Uh, when she started it, she'd been a college professor. She's an attractive woman, PhD, great teacher. The world's her oyster. And she wants to have a family, and she wants her husband to get a big job, academic job, and she wants flexibility. And I said, well, you should start a school. And she said, I could never do that. And I said, all right. And a few minutes later, she said, why did you say that? And I said, well, who's the world leading expert about two things, you and running a school? You'll be good at it in three months. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll tell you, the first week, uh, you know, girls and dads are a remarkable thing. Right. Boys, right. boys and dads are remarkable too, just in a different way. I, I have three. I have three girls myself, so I know. Uh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I bet yeah. you're good looking too. I know your wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, yeah, and they and she said she called me you know, three or four times a week, and she said, "Dad, they treat me like a servant," and I said, uh, "Okay." She said, "They give me list of things." Move the bicycle rack, stuff like that. And I said, well, that'll stop. And she said, how will I stop it? And I said, you will stand in front of them. Do I remember you wrote your doctoral thesis on Aristotle? She said, yes, I did. And I said, maybe you know what to tell them. Tell them what's going to become of their children. They will become good people, which means courageous and moderate, and just, and wise, right? A blessing to all who know them. Tell them that. She said, how will I get them to come? And I said, silly goose, you have their children. They will come. (laughs) And you know, two weeks later, she called and said, boy, that works. See? (laughs) Because it's nature, right? It's how things work. And so we want our children, you know, we, we don't actually want our children to have a particular disposition in anything political. We want them to be just. We want them to be free. We want them to be fair, right? And so they have to learn what those things are. And there needn't be any controversy about the good of those things. Everybody recognizes the good of those things. Right, right. And so then you have to study how do you get that good? And it turns out that's very hard, and there are major wars and decade, generations-long controversies about that, but you can study those things, and then maybe you can get a better opinion and right, be right. a better benefit to everybody you meet. Well, you, you articulate you know, this this idea of learning and in teaching in a, in, a, in a really beautiful and important way for all of us to to, to to learn and to think about things differently. I'm sure that people would, you know, when they think of Hillsdale, they would have this as a brand and and they teach this and they might break it down to this type of philosophy or this type of thinking. But what we're hearing from you is is your your passion for having people to be curious to search out for themselves. You teach them how to learn or help them. And we can define the word teach. And it doesn't mean when we use the word, it doesn't mean telling them what we think. It means helping them understand. Right. You know, I I knew, you know, I'm a very scandalous person. So I knew Russian (laughs) Limbaugh for many years. Liked him a lot too. And don't apologize for it today. Well, He said to me one time, how do you make them conservative? And I said, I don't. He said, you don't. (laughs) I said, no, you can't do that. I mean, if they're any good, you know, because I say so doesn't work. Right, right. And he said, huh. He said, are they conservative? And I said, yeah, mostly. And he said, how does that happen? I said, if you teach them to find the value in an old book, you have undercut the central premises of modern liberalism. You know, if Shakespeare was as good or better a writer than anybody we have today, that means it's not just all a progress, and it means that the standards of the past could reflect something eternal. 
And so you got to get, you know, another thing about education is it has to take you out of yourself. Right. I mean, I swear, I look at what they do in the public schools now, and it's like they want them to just learn everything about civics from reading the newspaper today. Right. (laughs) And and that'll turn them into slaves. Right. Uh, People often tell me it's a crisis, you know. Uh, Kids don't pay any attention to the news. And I say, why is that a crisis? It depends on what they're doing with their time. But the news, you'll never understand the news until you understand some history and some political thought and some literature. And so that's what kids should be doing, getting good at that. It's it's hard to date you know, with you know anything coming at them whether it's the news or social media it, it always feels to me like you have to put it in context you know who you are you know where you are you have a a, a place and therefore whatever's coming at you doesn't feel overwhelming um, is that a is that a uh, as you articulated that that's a, a a flaw or a challenge in a lot of the education that's done done today that you know subjects or information is just kind of pushed at somebody and it's a it's about getting it into their heads so they could pass a test am i am i observing that correctly versus versus really trying just to unleash their curiosity am i hearing that correctly and then and does that then does that then drive the anxiety that a lot of parents feel when things like, you know, like the 1619 Project are taught or, or like you uh, uh, are articulated or, or, or critical race theory is taught uh, or, or you, your involvement with the 1776 Project. You know, is, is that the, the, the gist of the angst that maybe many parents are feeling? Yeah. And see, you don't uh, you think America's terrible and I think it's great and you're wrong. Right. You'll never get anywhere with that. Uh, The question is, what is it? Let's find out what it is. And and uh, and as I say, remember, it it makes claims for itself that are amazingly coherent and deliberate. It's not lost in the midst of time. And that's, you know, you want you want your, your your kid to navigate through the world today. First of all, they need to become intellectually and morally virtuous. And because they'll never be any good if they don't. And, you know, that that takes work and and uh, and it takes and see, here's a, a, a wonderful thing in Aristotle. Because, see, I, I'll backtrack a second. Because science uh, is it, science is an old word that means to know. Uh, technology is from an old word that means to make. Those are not the same thing. And so now we live in an age when we think we, by our own efforts, can revolutionize the world. And we're impatient with anything that doesn't make change. Change. Hope and change. (laughs) Uh, uh, So that leads us to do something in education. And we do it both Republican and Democrat, by the way. Uh, we think we're going to make children into something. We think it's like manufacturing. It isn't. It's like helping something grow. Right, right. And, you know, to be a teacher is a really great thing because uh, what you see in the classroom is it doesn't matter what you think. I mean, what you know, at least. What matters is what they learn. And their learning is to them a serious effort. In fact, it's hard. It makes them tired. If they're not straining at it, they're not learning. And so the growth is in them, you see. They want to know. They'll never know if they're asleep. So, (laughs) and you know, we, we think we're going to do something to them. And that is very much not the way. And it's, right. it's good. It's good for a person to teach a bunch of kids. I mean, we're very privileged here at Hillsdale. Everybody wants to be here. Uh, everybody's smart. That's great. You know, and and everybody understands they got to behave themselves, and mostly they do. But it's also true that they they strive. 
and you get to help them. All right, and, right. Help and, them and, grow. And, and if if they don't strive, they don't grow. Right. You know, the only conversation you can have with somebody who gets, you know, it happens. Uh, young people live under pressures today, and and uh, there's more depression than there used to be. I don't think as much here as most places, but there's more than there used to be. Right. And and you know, when they're in that condition, the only conversation you're having with them is, "What's wrong here? Right. How can we help you? How, above all, how can you help you? Right. Right. Because you you know we are made in a awesome in a difficult situation. We're just like a dog or a cat and needing to eat and strive and aging and getting sick and all that. And yet we have these free souls. And right. that raises the question, what are we going to do with ourselves? What are we going to do? Yeah. What what a what a great question to contemplate. And and you know, as as we kind of wrap our, our, our time up here, you've worked very hard. The history of Hillsdale has worked very hard to avoid any undue restraint from from the government to to not take government funding to to avoid those sorts of things certainly you apply standards to your you know curriculum and and, and things of that nature help us understand why is that so important for you to have that level of independence uh, uh, and and ability to continue to do what you do and and what are you seeing from other institutions that uh, you know that you look at and you you observe and you learn and and, and you see their claims and you go okay don't want to go that direction we yeah, want to go right. our <laughs> direction I, I'm trying to I'm trying to take on your learning here uh, as best I can well they're all going broke right um, <laughs> it uh, so first of all. You have to understand the government has changed. There are two uh, American histories, and the original one was a thing. It had lots of trouble in it. And the new one is a new kind of contest. The old one, it was deeply aware of the things that I'm saying, that the virtue of the human being is in the human being. Others can only help. Uh, education happens in the student. Uh, government programs uh, America was a very remarkable place. Tocqueville writes that uh, when he comes here in the 1830s, he says there's more government in America than in France, which is the first centralized nation state. But the way of the government is different. In America, it's local and voluntary. That means we get to do it. And that's inefficient in some ways, he says, but it gives everybody practice in living a life as a free person. And the whole goal of America, the beauty of it is, everybody gets to live a fully human life. And that means make your living, raise your family, learn if, learn what you can, all that, right? And it doesn't matter who your mom or your dad is. Uh, and that's the, that's the claim of America. That's the beauty of it. That's what the Declaration of Independence means. Right, right. And and so today, and schools were always very decentralized things, uh, and and you know they were subsidized. By the way, they in the Northwest Ordinance, the biggest subsidy for education in American history was given. It was given one thirty second of the Western lands here in Michigan, where we live. Hmm. Uh, but then the federal government didn't have anything to do with it after that. It was for education in each township. And it was given as an endowment to the states to manage. And that meant uh, the, the 16th section of Hillsdale Township is about 400 yards behind me. And the policies that were made, what to do with that money, were made here. Uh, and that's America at its greatest. Now, everything is done scientifically and bureaucratically. Scientifically means experts figure it out. And bureaucratically means there are detailed rules governing behavior. And that's what's wrong with everything in the American government today. And that's why schools don't work very well. Because the rules are made by people who don't actually come into contact much with the students. Right. And, uh, and you know, the Republicans are as guilty of, of that as the Democrats are. Because they believe that 
centralized testing is the key. You know, there's a certain recent Secretary of Education who's the best I ever saw. And, and I, I'm kind of I'm kind of partial to that one too. You know, I think you may know the woman, and she, uh, she's she is very stubborn about that. She would she wouldn't do that stuff, right? And it's hard to do anything else because there's this huge bureaucracy. But right. she held the line on that stuff, and uh, so yeah, we and you know, uh, we started refusing the federal money in about 1960. And it wasn't very much money back then. We didn't like the principle of the thing because right. we're going to train the leaders of the country. The government shouldn't be funding that. How will they have any critical distance from the powerful people who run the government? Well, that's just got worse and worse. And now it's a lot of money. You know, I think it's, I, th I think uh, I can show you our auditors are very good. They don't catch me at the stuff I do. And they, uh, <laughs> they do surveys of how the rest of the world works because we don't really know. Uh, the average private college is collecting $16,500 a year. But of that, 9000 comes from federal student loans and 5000 comes from federal student grants. That means, uh, what is that? That's... Uh, uh, five five thousand. That's uh, eighty five percent. Yeah, is paid by the government, and then there's the state government after that. And so they call the tune now, and they do sure. it. You know, like uh, your family country company is a marvel to me. I've always admired it, and uh, and why? It's not built on rules. It's built on people working. And benefiting and, you know, and doing a good job, which means serving the customers well. And, you know, that's, you don't, the only rule that you can actually enforce and everybody will remember is like a student rule here. We, we have very few student rules. But the, the overarching one is just be good. Be good. Yeah. The you golden know? rule. If we stick with the golden rule, we'll be pretty good. Yeah. And that's, and, you know, make that operative. Yeah. And that yeah. means... Everybody's got to agree that that's the goal. Yeah. And then when they mess up, here's a discipline conversation around here. Uh, what did you do? Yeah. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't have as many as three or four of those. I have one or two, if that, a year, right? And they'll right. do something kind of bad, and I'll end up talking to them, and I'll say, what would you do? And they'll tell me, and I'll say, was that a good thing to do? And they say, no. And I say, don't do that anymore. I mean, if they do it again, then maybe that's more serious, but they don't very much. So, yeah, it's it. Uh, in other words, we are made to govern ourselves and uh, we need powerful external government, of course. But it, its purpose is to preserve our own self-government. And that's, we forget that these days. And we think, yeah. you know, the schools, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll mention it. Uh, I didn't get along with the Bush administration, either of them very much, because I care about the independence of our college. And I think they should all be more independent. And then see, if they are more independent, then the effect of that is there's somebody who works on the campus who can be held responsible for the well-being of the college and the well-being of the students. And also, you can invite the parents in to help. And so I didn't like all these uh, centralized testing things. And I didn't like them giving the Department of Education more authority over accreditation. And why? The accrediting, accreditation system started in 1900. The first one was in Chicago. We're charter members of that one. One. Right, right. Education department started in the late 70s. Now it has extensive control over the, over all that. And what it was before, it was founded to be, colleges would join up and every 10 years they'd go audit each other and report whether they seemed to be doing what they were saying they were doing. And that's a healthy outside check, right? Yeah. 
But, you know, kind of a, kind of a peer review sort of thing. That's right. That's all it was. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I, you know, the report, I have the report of our 1900 accreditation. And what it, <laughs> what it basically says is, yeah, they, they seem to be doing what they say they do. And that's, you know, and that's all you need because if, if it's, if it's a competitive world, and it ought to be, except remember, I just told you, 80, 90% of the money of all the colleges comes from a single source now. But the truth is, uh, if it weren't like that, then you could say, here's my college. This is what we do. Want to try it? Right. And that would be good, you know? And, and, uh, we, we we're we're trying to abolish that these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, the whole competitive spirit uh, is vital, certainly in business. And when you're competing for an opportunity to help a a student grow, uh, you you want the best people doing it. Yes. Uh, absolutely. And and so uh, you know, Dr. Larry Arn from uh, Hillsdale College. Thank you for uh, thank you for your time and, and helping us understand. Uh, the, the perspective that you bring and Hillsdale College brings to learning, uh, help, helping us uh, understand uh, the, the importance uh, of our own curiosity uh, mm-hmm. in that process to seek out uh, what it is and so that we understand what it is before we figure out what to believe about it, <laughs> you, you know, and, and, and pick a side, if you will. So uh, we're grateful for your wisdom. We're grateful for your time. Uh, thanks for sharing with us. Uh, and uh, just uh, appreciate all that you do and the, and the fine folks and your friends at, uh, at Hillsdale College. Uh, it's, a, it's a great adventure. So thanks for, thanks for spending time with us. You, 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 you and your family are a blessing to our state, and I appreciate you too. Well, you're, you're very kind. You're very kind. And so, uh, Dr. Larry Arn, Larry, thank you for joining us. This is, uh, we'll wrap up this episode of Believe, and we'll look forward to seeing you all again very soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.